All right, good morning, Calvary Church. It is great to have all of you here. And good morning, New Life Church as well. Thank you for being here with us today. Life in the wilderness. Life in the wilderness is all about dependence. It is a life in the desert that is completely dependent on God for everything. That we have to trust in God for, for food, for uh, water, for where to go. That's what God is doing with the people of Israel in the book of Numbers as we're going through this. And so we want to dig into today, what does this look like to be led by God? What, is that, what does that look like in our life? And how can we experience that too? Do you want to be led by God in your life? Like think about your life the life that you're living in this, this journey that you have of your faith and this journey that we have of just kind of trying to live in this world in the way that God has called us to. But like, do you want to have that sense that God is leading you, that God is guiding your steps, that maybe even you could hear from God of what he would have you do. Maybe you could just have a sense of what your life is to be about. And I think even like, can we experience something of a life beyond this natural world? We believe in a supernatural God and we believe that God can work in our lives in supernatural ways. And so I hope that today we are opened up to how can we be led by God in ways that we maybe never have experienced before. And so we're going to do that by today looking into this story in the book of Numbers. So if you have your Bible, you can start opening that up. There's Bibles in the back of the seats there in front of you. Numbers is the fourth book of the 66 books in the Bible. So it's really close to the beginning. And you can turn to Numbers. We'll actually start in Numbers 7 and just read one verse from there as we think about how we can be led by God. But for the most time, we'll be in Numbers 9. All right, so let's check out number 7, verse 89. That's a long chapter. It's the very last verse of that chapter. And it says this. Whenever Moses went into the tabernacle to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim above the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the ark of the covenant. The Lord spoke to him from there. All right, now we'll skip ahead a little bit over to chapter 9, and we'll read just, we'll read 9, 15 to 18 here first, and then we'll read some more later. But it says this in verse 15. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. They remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. All right, so we're going to talk through some of this and what is a tabernacle, like what's going on with these clouds and all of this stuff, all right? But first of all, uh, I want to show us, like, as we go through this, some ways that I believe that we can hear from God, that we're led by God, and how God works in all of this. So the first thing is that we are led by the voice of God. 
And so the way it worked here in, the, in this story in Numbers was the people of Israel um, were led by Moses. Moses would go and hear from God and then speak God's words to the people. Okay, so that's how the process worked for them as it said that. Now, I want to show you a little bit about like how this camp worked and stuff. So check out this drawing. This is a drawing from the 1600s from some German theologian that had like been working this out. I just think that's kind of cool, first of all. But you've got uh, this right in the very middle, the very center, you have the tabernacle. Okay, it's this tent that was set up. And if you wonder, okay, what is a tabernacle? Well, first of all, you have to know what the temple is. The temple comes later. You might just understand the temple of Jerusalem, where the very presence of God would dwell, that the priest would go in there and go like in, and they'd make sacrifices outside of it. And then they'd go in and go to the Holy of Holies, where they'd sprinkle blood, and it's in there that they'd hear from God, all of that. But that's in the middle. And it basically the tabernacle is just like the like mobile, portable edition of the temple. Okay, that's how you can think of it. It's, it's the temple but it's before it and it's a tent that moves from place to place with them and then that's where they set that up. And the way that the whole camp of Israel would work here is that you'd have that area in the middle is where the tabernacle is and then surrounding it are the first set of tents and those are the Levites or the the tribes that are the priest the priestly people. Okay, so you've got the priests hanging out all right close to the tabernacle. And then surrounding it is where all the other 12 tribes have their camps set up. And you're talking like a million people or something like that. Okay, there's like a, a lot of people. This is a huge thing. And so think about this whole camp being set up. And then they have to like tear it down when God says go. And then they have to like walk for a while, for hour far. And then they have to reset this all up. And then wait. All right. So that's like this whole experience. So like you just have to get your head around some of that. And uh, within that tabernacle is where the Ark of the Covenant was. And it says between those two cherubim or those angels' wings is where the voice of God would come out. And the voice of God would speak to Moses. And then Moses would speak that to the people. Now, I believe that today, and we're going to talk about why I believe this, but that we can hear from the voice of God ourselves in a few different ways. Uh, now, we don't go up to like an ark, uh, you know, we don't know where that is. We're still waiting to figure that out with Indiana Jones and all that kind of stuff, but uh, hopefully one day we'll find it. But, uh, but we want to be able to hear from God. So how do we do that? And like, what are the concerns? Because I know like for me, when I think about hearing from God, I wonder, okay, if I'm going to hear from God, how do I know if I'm like discerning if it's God's voice versus just like my will or my own head versus maybe a lie from the enemy? So am I being deceived? Is it just me? Is it God? Like, how do I know? Like, what, what do I do in this kind of a situation? Because they just had Moses would go in, he'd hear from God, he'd come out and tell them. Now, I want to, as, as we think through that, talk a little bit too about how prayer and approaching God completely, completely changed from the way it was like with this whole tabernacle or the temple. Everything changed because of Jesus. We even in one of these songs sang something about the veil being torn, right? And you might even, some of you might sing these words, yeah, the veil was torn. And you're like, I don't know what I'm singing about, but that's cool, you know? But uh, <laughs> let me explain. So inside the tabernacle, and it would be the same sort of setup in the temple later on when they built 
build that more permanent temple in Jerusalem. This is like your cross section of that. And so inside the tent, you've got that larger area that's got the big menorah, the big candelabra, uh, and some other things. And then you would see then there's another curtain. You can only see half of it because it's a cross section. But there's all another curtain set up there. And when you go into that, that's the most holy place or the holy of holies. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. Okay, so that's where they go in to hear from God. And then what happens is when Jesus dies upon the cross, it says this. Matthew 27, 50 to 51 says, Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain or veil, the curtain or veil in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So at the moment that Jesus dies, that curtain that separated that spot where the very presence of God and the voice of God was, that was torn in two from top to bottom which really signifies that that was God doing it. People couldn't just reach up there and tear this super thick curtain down, okay? Like that was God tearing that down, opening up that space. And then Hebrews 10 speaks about this. And it says, So dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. All right, so we can enter into that most holy place to meet with God, to be in the presence of God, to hear from the voice of God because of the work that Jesus did upon the cross. All right, then it says, By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain. Um, And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. All right, so that work, that work of Jesus upon the cross opened this up. And so kind of like what Moses was able to do to go into that area to hear from the voice of God and to speak then that to the people, we are now able to, it's like to be within the presence of God, to have direct access to God in prayer, all of that, sort of the way prayer works, the way everything really when you think about that of confession and repentance and atonement and forgiveness, all of that has changed from the work of Jesus upon the cross. And so we know then that us as these human beings who are now indwelled with the very spirit of God, we can approach God uh, in that most holy place. So I believe that we can hear from him. Now, I believe that takes place in some different ways. And so you might say, okay, how can I discern God's voice? How can I hear from God's voice? Well, I would say it's some of these things and they're pretty simple. They often are. Okay, it's kind of like when people say like, oh, how do I get more healthy, you know, or how do I, how do I drop some pounds or whatever. You're like, well, you know, exercise and eat well and stuff like that. You know, there's other reasons and they're good, uh, but like usually it's like the most simple reason that you don't want to hear. Like the most simple instructions are often like the instructions. Okay, so here we go. When you want to hear from God, first of all, read the Bible. Okay, first of all, read the Bible. Uh, We say this over and over again, but the Bible is the out loud voice of God written unto, you know, pages that we have right here. So read the Bible. As you read the Bible, you will know things about God, but you will also have a sense of what God's voice sounds like. 
So when you are trying to discern God's voice to hear from God, you'll have a very, like, an aware sense of what God's voice would sound like. What would God not say? That kind of thing. It's, a, it's, it's the filter for that. And then I would say spend time in prayer. Just spend time in normal kind of just what you would think of as talking to God kind of prayer. Okay? Spend time in prayer. Be um, telling the Lord the things of your heart. Worshiping him, glorifying him with, with your words to him. And asking him for the, the desires of your heart. Asking him to form you and shape you to be more like him. Expressing your gratitude to him. Confession, repentance, all of that. Do, spending time in that as you're getting used to then spending time with the Lord. Now, those are probably the things you're more comfortable and experienced with. And then I would say, then begin to try to spend time listening to God. We say this a lot. If you want to listen, if you want to hear from someone, you need to stop talking so they can talk. Right? Like it's the same thing in any kind of relationship. If you want to be able to hear from your friend, you can't just talk the whole time. There's some of you out there that are very much long talkers. Okay? And you do this. It's okay. I've got a lot of grace for you. But there's some of you that are long talkers. Like I, I'll probably spend, you know, 10 minutes with you and I might say two words. And that's okay. I'm here for you. Okay? <laughs> Genuinely. But... With God, same thing. Like, I, you're not hearing from me in those moments, right? Like, and that's okay. I'm a long talker. I get to be a long talker up here for a half hour or so. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, with, with God, too, it's like this similar thing. Just take some time to be still and to be quiet. Say, Lord, I want to take some time to listen. To listen for your voice. That could be asking him a question. Lord, I'd like to have a sense of your, your guidance in this area. Lord, I'd like to hear from you in this. And then to process, what is that? Do you have a sense? Do you have a picture? Do you have a word? Do you have a, a scripture that comes to mind? Something that God would put on your heart in some way. And we spend time, and that can be also in a group setting. It's not just by yourself. I think something even like our staff, our elder board have been practicing even is a bit of listening prayer as a group. So we'll spend time, okay, Lord, we want to just hear from you. And we'll spend time in silence together. And then after a period of time, we'll say, we'll ask, has there been any sense of God's leading or God's voice for you? And we'll share about what God's putting on our heart. And then it'll be interesting to see like, oh, where is there some alignment or agreement among us? Okay, well, we're confused about this. Let's go back into listening, into silence again, and listen for God again. And then after a little time, okay, well, any clarification? Do you have us any kind of sense of how God's speaking now? And then, and we're talking about that. And what's so cool is when we do that and with this next one, when we just spend time in spiritual conversation with other believers, like talking about deeper things, not just about, you know, how the Rams are going to win today or whatever. But like, you know, you're talking about stuff that matters, like the snacks you're going to bring. But no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, when you're talking about this like serious stuff, what's cool is we're all human beings are, are image bearers. We all bear God's image. Now, as believers, we all have a couple extra things, right? That we have the very Spirit of God dwelling within us. And we also are part of this whole royal priesthood of believers that we talked about a couple weeks ago when we talked about blessing. So we all are this royal priesthood of believers indwelled with the very Spirit of God who are created with the image of God upon us. And so when we all gather together and have conversations about these things of the Lord and of the Scriptures and listen for God's voice and share that with one another— that's a pretty radical thing when you think about who we really are and our identity in Christ. And so believe that, that that is who you are and what God has even created you to do and to be. That we can 
discern God's voice together in some ways. So I think these are some ways that we can begin to hear from God. Now, we're also led by the presence of God. And so weirdly and strangely in some way for the people of Israel in verses 15 to 18 that we already read where it said there's this cloud over the tent. Okay, so that tent, the tabernacle, right? So that tabernacle that had the Ark of the Covenant in it would have this cloud over it. And at night it would be like a fiery cloud. And that's cool, I think. Uh, I would would love to see that. But and then they would just wait. That means God's presence is there. God's glory was within this, this smoke and this cloud. And God's glory then would, would lift and move. And so they would go where the presence of God would go, right? That's what they would do. They would watch. I don't know if there's some sort of like trumpet was sounded or something. And it's like, then they go and they follow. Or if it's at night, it's this pillar of fire that's going around. They go wherever God leads. And that's, they, they, they always want to be where the presence of God is. That's what they're called to do. And so the ark would go out first and they would follow. They would follow the presence of God. And that's... Pretty cool, I think, and it's pretty radical at some level. And I think about this sort of beautiful simplicity of following. Of following the Lord in submission to him. There's a beautiful simplicity to that where it's not just always this like, okay, you know, what, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to be about? How am I going to make something of myself? Or what, you know, that kind of stuff is just, there's a beautiful simplicity of saying, I'm just going to submit to the Lord. I'm going to follow what his word says, what his voice says in my life, I'm going to follow. And there should be simplicity in that. Also, interestingly, in this case, in this, in this text that we're looking at, this is all about a group. None of this is individual, okay? There weren't like certain, there weren't people in Israel being like, God, I just pray for an understanding of your will for my, like, do I get my own cloud that's going to go over there while everybody else goes here? Like, where's my little personal cloud? Like, I want to be able to follow that. No, this was a communal thing. The whole community, the whole people would follow along wherever God would lead the whole people. And so I think we are obviously very individually minded, especially as like modern people, American people, just kind of Western mindset people, all of that. It's just how we are wired, how we've been formed by our culture and our time. And so I think it's interesting to think through like, okay, how does this work as a group of people? And so you think of uh, like all Christians, well, that feels really hard too. But like even this local body of believers here at Calvary Church, Lord, we want to be led by you as a church and as a group. And so we want to seek out God in that way. So um, it's, it's just, there's, there was no one in Israel saying, God, what's your will for my life today? They followed wherever the cloud went and that was the will of God for them. Now, it should have taken them 10 days 10 days to get from Mount Sinai to the promised land. Like if they were just like, let's just go straight. That's, that's about what it should have taken. But instead it took, you know, a little over four decades, right? And it took a long time. And so you're talking a long, 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 long journey for these, these people of Israel. And um, I think it's because they struggled so much with trust and dependence that God was doing like something in them. And like this whole thing of like God had taken them out of Egypt, but he still was on this process of taking Egypt out of them, right? That's kind of like a way of thinking about this, that they had to learn to trust in him every day. God's going to give us the food. God's going to give us the water. 
God's going to tell us where to go. Like every moment of this, we just follow and trust what God says and what God does. And that seems so cool and so easy to us to have a pillar of cloud and fire just to follow around. That sounds awesome, right? Like how could they struggle when they had that? Or how could they struggle when they just saw a bunch of people get like struck with a plague and then a fire and then like the earth opened up and sucked them into it. And they were, they had just come out of like all the Egypt plagues and crossing the Red Sea and all of that. Like how could they doubt? How could they not just do whatever God, like, yes, sir, I'm sorry, sir. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. Even out of like a healthy sense of fear. But It's so easy to judge them. It's so easy for me to judge the disciples or the Pharisees or these people in the Bible. I was thinking about this thought experiment, though, of what if, like, what if in a thousand years, let's say, you know, like this this life goes on, Jesus has not returned. This life goes on for like a thousand years. And something happens where they, like, people get rid of all the Bibles. Like all the Bibles are burned and it's like wiped off the internet and there's no Bible. And then they like are talking about, remember back then, like a thousand years ago, those people had the whole Bible and they couldn't even follow God. And they had all his words. We're just trying to figure this out. You know, we're just trying to like walk where you lead us. If we just had the Bible, you know, that kind of a thing. Like, and it's so easy for us to judge them when we have so much and yet we struggle as well. We struggle to follow what God calls us to do. Because these stories, though, are for us. These stories aren't just for them. These stories aren't for someone else. They're for us. I want to read you uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 13. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. I'm in the NLT here. This, this, this is a crazy passage. So this is New Testament. This is Paul speaking to this church in Corinth in Greece. And he says this, He says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. Okay, so don't forget about the stuff we're talking about today. All right. Now, uh, he says, all of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. All of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was Christ. Christ traveled with them. That's that's wild. Verse 5. Yet God was not pleased with most of them. And their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us. So that we would not crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happen to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. I'll just stop there. These things were written down to warn us. These things were there for us to learn from their example. (laughs) And Paul's talking about 2,000 years ago at the end of the age, right? So we're... A little farther along than that, but we're still at that moment, at the end of the age. And so these stories are for us. These stories are for us to learn from. And how can we learn to be led by God in all things? 
Obviously, again, we follow the word of God. If we want to be led by God, we read the Bible. We spend time in prayer. We spend time listening to God. We spend time in that spiritual conversation with fellow believers. And then it's just obedience to what we do know. Okay? We have to live a life of obedience to what we know now. What God has revealed to us through his word, through, through our listening to him, through leaders in our life, through, through wise counsel from others, all of that. Just as we obey, God gives sort of like I think the next step, right? We obey with what we see in front of us, then we take the next step. We are like, okay, the cloud moved, all right, I'll move, I'll listen. Oh, there it goes again. I move again, right? That kind of a thing. So we continue to obey, and as we obey, then God continues to speak to us. And so we are faithful to what he has called us to do. So we're led by the presence of God. We're led by the voice of God, presence of God, and we're led in the timing of God. So look again in Numbers 9, and we'll read these last few verses of Numbers 9. It says uh, 19 to 23 says this. It says, if the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days. So the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. So this is all about God's timing, God's ways. They would wait on God's command, and they'd go when God would say go. Now, this is crazy when you think about this camp, right? (laughs) This camp with so many people and you think, oh, it would only stay overnight. I just got everything set up. Imagining just going camping and you set up your your camp for like four people. And if they, if you set it up for like one night with all your stuff and then you're just like, gotta go next morning. You're just like, Oh, right? I just can't imagine how much they would be like grumbling and annoyed and they're complaining and frustrated like, oh my goodness, God, we have to go again. And uh, then sometimes it would go the other way where it's like we're sitting here for months. We're just kind of like, are we just staying here? Like what's going on? Like I think it's, I think it's like right there, you know, the place we're going. Uh, <laughs> and they would just have to like hang out and wait. And like the frustration of that as well. I think we're pretty uh, frustrated people at waiting often. But that's what they would have to do. All that hard work, all that wondering, all that trust, very hard. But it was all in the timing of God. They would wait on the timing of God. Uh, I wanted to, while um, we have New Life Church here today, I thought it would be really cool to have a conversation with Matt. So Matt Hempel, why don't you come on up? Um, Yeah, welcome here. Because all this, the story of like some of your life, the story of new yeah. life, like so much of this has like a lot of this stuff that yes. we've been talking about. So like even just first, like how's it going? <laughs> it's good. Hello, everybody. My name is Matt. Uh, I'm the, the pastor at New Life. It's good. We, we turned seven years old as a church in January. It's awesome. So that was pretty fun. 
all of uh, all of our birthdays have been sentimental, but this one had like a particular like yeah, good yeah, yeah. feel to it of yeah. seven years and just being back here is fun. I remember sitting the exact seats I used to sit and worship at before <laughs> New Life. So yeah, we just turned seven. We're right over in Tustin, kind of near Foothill High School. Yeah. And so we're on the journey. <laughs> That's right. You definitely are definitely on the journey. And it's so great. But um, all right, let's like, let's go back kind of origin stories. Yeah. You know, we'll do people like origin story yes. movies. Like, um, so <laughs> like, what's crazy is like, Matt and I actually have like a lot of sort of connection in this. Yeah. Um, I remember, so for us here at Calvary, we were even praying about planning churches and like a sense of, Lord, like, what do you want to do even to use us to help plant churches more here in Orange County or around the world, wherever? And I remember being in this like North Conference room that's like up right up there with a group of pastors here and praying about like who are even people that God would be putting on our, our heart and mind um, that would want to be like part of that in some way and leadership in that way. And I was in that meeting and all sorts of names were being thrown around. And I'm just like in that meeting and I'm like kind of like shaken and like, why was God was just pressing your name, Matt Hempel's name. And you were like doing, like you were like a high school ministry volunteer yeah. and <laughs> like doing like mortgage Mortgages. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it wasn't like, ah, oh, he's just almost done with seminary and he's going to move on. No, it wasn't like <laughs> no. anything like that. And I, but I just was, I felt like the spirit of God was pressing Matt's name on my head and my heart and I couldn't shake it. So then I leave my office. All right, I leave that room and go to my office and call him like, hey, let's go to, like, I want to go to lunch. I think I said. No, it's not a call. It's oh, no, it's a text. No, no. It's a text, right? It's a text. So <laughs> the voice of God to me came through a very cryptic text saying, Matt, I want to take you to lunch to plan out your life. <laughs> and there's not too many more intimidating texts that you can receive from your pastor. I didn't even know my life needed changing until that moment. But so that was the beginning. Because I relate to this topic of yeah. being led by God. And I would say that Aaron and I were led by God but we don't claim to have this audible voice that right. spoke to us. Like right. the beginning of the voice of God was this text yeah. from my pastor. So then we show up to Lucille's we go to over Lucille's. by the block. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you start laying out this plan and I have no idea what our involvement would be of, you know, Calvi's thinking of planting churches. And I just thought, oh, okay, this is where he asks me to pull up my checkbook and write <laughs> like a check to we support. Welcome that. We welcome <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Like it wasn't on my radar at all for yeah. us to be involved, but you know, you shared what God had put on your heart yeah. and it was the beginning of feeling led by God on this journey. And then yeah. we go home and I talk to Erin and we <laughs> kind of fill her in and we even start to pray into it of like, yeah. Lord, what would you have? If you were leading us, we want to follow. And a big pivotal moment for us was uh, we both happened to read Jeremiah 1 on the same day. It's just where Jeremiah is talking to God and he says, I'm too young. I don't have the right words. Mm -hmm. You've called the wrong person. And I just feel like the words were literally taken out of my body and put on mm -hmm. this page. And Aaron mm -hmm. comes home and I said, you're never going to believe what I read today. And she says, no, you're never going to believe what I read today. And we both had this moment where we felt the Lord mm -hmm. speaking to us through Jeremiah 1. And this was not like we were on a Bible reading plan. <laughs> like we weren't holy right. enough to just be going through the Old Testament like regularly. It just randomly, we felt led to read that scripture. Mm. So again, hearing you talk about discerning the voice of the Lord, it started with this honest kind of bold conversation with you and I mm -hmm. to then feeling like the Lord is speaking to us through scripture. And I remember even I'd, around this time, we were doing a serve day and this person came up and said, have you ever thought 
about being a pastor. <laughs> and at this point, it really began to ring clear. Yeah. And to the point where we would confidently say, okay, Lord, we feel you're leading us. Yeah, and so yeah. that's kind of the origins of how the ball got moving. And that's got... That's got prayer, yes, that's got listening, that's got scripture, yes. that's got conversations with fellow yes. believers, kind of all that stuff coming yes. together, right? And yes. then um, it wasn't just like you decided one day. No. Yeah, not at no. all. And, and so, wow. And then, so then the next steps, I remember that there was like this church planner, like assessment yes. sort of intense yes. process. So we go to this yes. retreat. Calvin goes, hey, you guys go to this church planter assessment retreat. And, you know, we're feeling good. We have this divine calling from God. We walk in full of authority and power. (laughs) And then essentially after the weekend retreat, they're giving you either a green light, which is like go with the full blessing, a red light, which means don't you dare plant the church, or a yellow light, which is, eh, let's feel it out. And so we go through this assessment and we get a yellow light. Yeah, yeah. Besides the blow to the ego, it's like, <laughs> oh gosh, it was good to like check ourselves. For I was t- mad for about it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. But it was like no, a timing issue. It yeah. was, and it yeah. like taught us timing. Okay, yeah. Lord, we feel called, yeah. but maybe we're going to wait and we're yeah. just going to be patient and listen and wait for the green light that comes from you. So even like right. as you talk about that timing is a part of this, I feel like we had our calling yeah. and then that kind of assessment was just bringing in the timing element right. of, okay, Lord, we will wait and we're not going to force anything. And you stayed faithful and you kind of served in like more of like an associate pastor yeah. role. And then like, then later you then did yeah. take on that senior, yeah. like lead pastor role, whatever you guys call it there. Yeah. But like, um, yeah. like then new life too has been on a little bit of like the camp of Israel journey <laughs> yeah. from place to place. Yes. Right. So like That's speaking to that a little it, bit. That's putting it kindly. <laughs> So we, uh, we joke. So we've been around seven years. Yes. And I think we've met at 13 different locations. Oh, wow. So we wow. just went for the baker's dozen. We just said, <laughs> if we're going to do this. Um, but I, I mean, all joking aside, yeah. some of those moves were painful. Yeah. Some of them were by choice. Some right. of them were not by choice. Um, right. We twice, we signed a full year lease on a property mm-hmm. and both times we had our lease canceled within four weeks. Yeah. And it was super frustrating. So talking about setting up camp, yeah. we like, at one, some of our locations, we built like a custom stage yeah, yeah. we started decking out our I mean, we, kids I mean, ministry. I mean, John Norton built the stage. John Norton built credit. the stage, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> but the, no, like, right. the, the moving element yeah. was hard. But I think again, it it taught me and us as a church that sometimes you can be called by God and the timing can yeah. be right. And it's still not linear. Yeah. It's still not this perfect straight line that we yeah. want it to be. And yeah. I think that's what I needed to learn. And what we need to learn sometimes is it doesn't mean you're outside the will of God mm-hmm. just because of frequent moving. Mm-hmm. And, and just because it doesn't look as straight as we would have wanted, mm-hmm. which all of us would have liked the more right. straight path. Sure, sure the Lord has been speaking to us that sometimes this is a part of being led mm-hmm. and it's just sometimes not as straight as we would like. <laughs> right. And so it's this act of, of like for these people, like trust yeah. and dependence. Okay. Wherever you have us, Lord, yes. we'll depend on you. We'll trust in you. And if it's here, if it's somewhere else, and I mean, yes. part of what I want us to process through is like, how can we have the camp of our life ready to move, yes. you know, ready to shift, ready to work, to go wherever God goes. And yes. what's especially cool, I think is like, that the camp of your life was ready to say yes to the Lord as he called you into this, this kind of ministry. We're yeah. all in a kind of ministry, but yeah. the kind of ministry that he called you into. And you, you 
set up the camp of your life in that yeah. kind of way. And, and then the camp of your church is set up in that kind yeah. of way, whether it's all good, like good in your eyes, yeah. it's where God has you. And so. Yeah, we have a phrase and by no means have we fully lived it out. But Aaron and I, we try to say we want to get out of the boat. Meaning, uh, I love this story where all the disciples are in the boat and only one of them walks on water. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like a direct invitation to Peter only. Anybody could have, only one of them did. And we, as we're processing and journeying and thinking, we try to live by this mind. Okay, Lord, we want to get out of the boat yeah. if you're calling. And that would be just an encouragement as we're listening to this, that we look back on our life and following God, moving the That's camp. Awesome. Like yeah. just totally relate to that story and trying to build that into our Cool. culture of our hearts. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, yeah. I'd love to just pray over you and Thank new you. life and Thank just you. pray God's blessing over you guys. Let's, let's pray. To, join me, please, in praying together. <laughs> Lord God, I thank you so much for the way you are leading your church. Amen. Lord, Calvary Church, New Life OC, yes. God, every church. Yes. <laughs> and so, Lord, I thank you for Matt. I thank you mm -hmm. for his family. I thank you for um, all the people here that are part of New Life Church. And I yes. pray, Lord Jesus, your blessing yes. upon them. Yes. Lord, I speak trust and dependence in the days ahead. Amen. May you bless them with that. Amen. Lord, and I pray that you would bless them with fruitfulness mm. in our community. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, bro. Yeah, you too, bro. Awesome, yeah, good. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. It's awesome. And so... We trust, we depend, and we go when God says go, and we recognize that God sees a bigger picture. God sees something beyond what we can see, and that's part of why we trust in him because of who he is. But we also trust in him because he sees. He sees more than we see. There's even this little story, um, you might have even heard this story before, but it's the story of this little grasshopper, and it's this story where this grasshopper is trying to get to his mom, and this grasshopper is like just desperately wanting to get to his mom. And he's, he's like hopping along. It's just like, I want to get to my mom. He needs to get to his mom so badly. And he's going, he's cruising along. And then all of a sudden as he's going along, this giant wall just rises up before him. And it goes as high as he can see and as far from left to right as he can see. It's just this massive wall that he can't get around. He can't find any way to get around this. And so he's like, I got to get to my mom. And so he's just like, I'm going to slam. I'm going to knock this wall down. And so he's slamming up against the wall over and over and over again. And nothing is happening. He sinks down. And so he prays. He's like, God, help me knock this wall down so I can get to my mom. And then he's like, all right, I've prayed. And he goes and he slams up against it again and again and nothing happens. The wall's just there and he's just getting beaten up. And he's just like, God, why don't you listen? Why don't you listen to my prayers? Why don't you care about what I'm asking you for? Just help me knock this thing down. He slams up against it again. Nothing happens and he just sinks down thinking God is absent. God doesn't care. God isn't with him. And as he sits there in kind of this desperation moment, just discouragement, frustration, he sees then this, some, this door suddenly kind of appears. And he goes up and he walks and he opens and looks through that door and he steps to the other side of the wall and he sees right there on the other side of the wall is his mom just leaning up against the other side of the wall. And he hugs her and he's so excited to see her. And then he's like, Oh man, if God had answered my prayer to knock down that wall, it would have fell and crushed my mom. Maybe I can't see everything. Because like Isaiah 40, says, it says, 
He, God, sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. We don't see in the way God sees. God sees a bigger picture of our world. God has a greater perspective of time and eternity that we could never understand. Even Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has made everything beautiful for its time. He's planted eternity into the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. We just can't see it. Whether it's physical, whether it's temporal, like whatever that might be, God sees a bigger picture. I want things now. And if God doesn't give me what I want now, God must be wrong or God must be absent. God must be cruel. Maybe God's not real because he's not giving me what I want when I want it in the way I want it. But God sits above the earth and he sees all things and he sees all time. And he knows. And it's our role to trust and depend upon him, to live a life of faithfulness, each step of his journey in dependence on God. And so I ask you these questions. Have you set up the camp of your life where you would be able to move if God called you to? I'm not just talking, maybe it's your house or the place you live. I'm not just talking about like where you live, setting up the camp of your life. But have you set up the camp of your life of maybe the the focus of how you serve God, the ministry that you do, if that's the things you care about, the things you're passionate about, your views, your preferences, all these sorts of things. Have we set up the camp of our life that if God calls us to, we are willing to change? And I think for us as a church, we have to have that same thing. If God calls us as a church— To say, okay, let's shift our vision and focus in some direction. We do it in the way that God has called us to. And so be considering that for your life, for our church. Have you set up the camp where if God says go, you'll go. If God says move, you'll move. If God says shift, you'll shift. If God says wait, you'll wait. As we sing, let's be just considering and prayerful through that. Let's pray. God, I just, we love you, Lord. Or I say, Lord, you know better than me. It's maybe the most obvious thing, but also the most difficult thing for me, God. You see it all. You know it all. And you have our best in mind. And so, God, I pray that through our lives, your kingdom purposes will be fulfilled. If that involves us staying or moving, if that involves us being, Lord, acting in some way or pausing in some way, God, I pray, Lord, we would just trust in you. And that I pray we would be a people that can hear your voice, God. Help us to hear from you and to be led by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this last song together.